Today's message is, is entitled Fueling Revival. And, and before I get into the meat of this message, I just want to share with you guys a story. Is that okay? Um, now, this could be a little uncomfortable, um, but I want you to just track with me, okay? Uh, most of you guys know the time that I spent uh, as a, a ranch hand in, on a ranch in, in my uh, hometown in, in Nebraska. Uh, I've talked about that before. I think I told you about the time that I let all the cows out, and I had to. it took like eight hours to get them in. Well, one of the things that I had to do was, was prepare 650 head of cattle for AI season. And I didn't want to have to say this in a sermon, but AI stands not for artificial intelligence, because that doesn't make sense to do with cows, <laughs> but it stands for artificial insemination. <laughs> and so here we are. We're going to just jump right in. Uh, so, so the reason why this is important is because I learned very early on as a ranch hand, even though I grew up in the country, I had no idea how to be a ranch hand. You know, how many of you guys have ever uh, gone to a job uh, and you're like, I have no idea what to do, right? I mean, I cannot be the only one. Thank you, Jaime. <laughs> right? You're like, you say, you're like, yeah, I'll do that. I got the job. To, just to be clear, I was working for minimum wage at a Subway restaurant, the only fast food chain in the town I grew up in, and I was making seven twenty-five. And uh, a rancher whose kids go to our youth group, they went to our church, was like, hey, our ranch hand just quit. Uh, do you know of anybody who'd be interested? And I'm like, how much does it pay? And he said, 10 bucks an hour. And I was like, I'm not a math genius, but $10 an hour is more than $7.25. I'm interested. <laughs> and so I, I got there, and he's like, you ever uh, run one of these kinds of tractors before? To which I responded, I've never run any kind of tractor before. <laughs> How many of you have been there? You're like, you show up to work and you're like, I have literally, this is a foreign language. It might have all been in Chinese. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, but he taught me how to do it. And when my main job, I started in the winter. It was like a, uh, during a snowstorm even. Uh, my main job was just to feed the cattle. They weren't out in the pasture because it was winter. They were in the fields or in the pen, not in the fields. And so I literally just had to load up food into uh, a big thing that looks like uh, uh, like a KitchenAid, like a massive, but it's a tractor for cows. And it just and it just mixes all the food. And then you go in the trough and you just go on a line and you drop the food in the trough. And if you drop too much at the beginning, the cows on the end, they're not going to eat. This is important because during AI season, it's a month-long process before you actually AI the cows. And we all understand AI, right? I'm not going to explain that again. <laughs> yeah, just like, please say it again. I don't know. No, sir. No to you, sir. And so uh, for the first two weeks, you put this mix in the food that keeps the cattle out of heat. And for the next two weeks, you put a mix in the food that puts them into heat. And this is really important because you have to make sure that that mixture gets into all of the food and that you perfectly put the right amount of food in the trough so all the cows can eat. And my boss said to me, who's also a very dear friend of mine, he said, if you don't do it right, when we actually go to AI the cows, it's going to be a really long, hard process and he was a very gentle man, but he was basically saying, don't screw this up, right? And so I was terrified. 
And I think it was like healthy fear because um, I didn't want to get blamed for screwing it up. And so I, I prayed hard during this time. I prayed every day. I prayed when I went to put the food in. I prayed when I went to put the mix in. I prayed when I put the little thing on the trough. And I just was asking God to show up and do something that I could not probably do on my own. And the, the time come, it's been a month. Uh, the guy shows up. Uh, they actually hire somebody who comes in with the, the stuff for the job. And um, they put a patch. It's like, it looks like a lottery ticket, uh, like a scratch off. It starts out gray, and they put it on the back of the, the cows. And, and uh, if they're ready to go, uh, the cows will mount each other, and the scratch off will turn from gray to red. And when the, backs, when the sticker on the back of the cow is red, they're ready uh, for the job to be done. Um, <laughs> this is more awkward than I thought it would be. <laughs> I'm kind of sweating a little bit. Well, what happened was in the first three hours, every single cow had a red backside. Every single one. And the guy that, that they hired to AI him, he brought a camper out, and he was like, typically this is like a four-day process if it's done pretty well. And he's like, I, this, is, this has to be a record, like an AI record. I've never seen all of the cows this ready to go. And the reason why I say that is because it wasn't me. <laughs> I learned really early on in that job that everything I did, I was going to need to rely on God for. And it kind of gave me this realization that there really is no difference between a spiritual job and an unspiritual job. I learned more about how God works being a ranch hand than I did years in ministry. I'm going to be honest. And, and it, I, I think you're probably wondering at this point, well, how does that connect? The reality is you guys are all in the world doing things you're doing things for God. You're doing things with God. You're doing things because of God. And I want us to get that really firm. That there is no separation. And revival happens when every day of our lives, every day is spent with God on our minds, with God on the forefront. First of all, you'll see amazing return. You'll see things that you didn't think were possible. But more than that, you'll see God for who he really is. And as I think about missions, as I think about revival, um, I, I think about this verse in Acts, and, it, and it, it just so encapsulates what I'm trying to get at this morning. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter is talking to the people who... Pentecost just happened. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. There's like tongues of fire over their heads and people start freaking out. He, Peter starts preaching the gospel and then he says this, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then he says this, this is, this is so cool. This promise is to you, your children and those far away. And so when I think of revival, I actually think that it, it, it comes in, in, in different sections. We have, we have to have a personal revival. 
where God the Holy Spirit comes alive in us. We need to have a community revival, right? So this is our church, our community, our children, our family, the ones closest to us. And, and guess what, guys? That's going to lead to a global revival. Yeah, come on. I got one wooer. You got to support the wooer and give him a hand. Look, I'm going I'm to read to you guys the scripture in Matthew chapter 13. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all that he had and bought that field. How many of you guys remember last week when Scott Chapman talked about if God asks you for something, he's going to ask you for everything? This is such a good picture of the kingdom, right? There's, there's some things that we need to understand about this treasure. It was discovered, right? Somebody went looking for it. Somebody sought after it. This man sought after it, right? It was a discovered treasure. It had immeasurable value is the second thing. There was probably more treasure in this than, than he could. It was definitely going to change his life, right? You think of, of people that are operating fields in this time. It, it's not a very lucrative thing. It's not a very uh, uh, becoming thing. And, and, and people who weren't Pharisees, honestly, most of the people were in poverty, uh, and so this thing had immeasurable value. And then the third thing is that it actually cost him everything he had. We think about this. This is the kingdom. This, this treasure represents the kingdom. Discovered, immeasurable, but it also costs everything. See, God is actually looking for people who are willing to dig in and discover the truth of his kingdom. Amen? Amen. This, is, this is where revival happens within us personally. I want you to listen to this scripture in Chronicles. Chronicles 16.9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And that's what personal revival is, being fully committed to him. I've talked to you guys about surrender. I've talked to you guys about transformation of the heart. But here, is, here it is. Here's the crux of it all. Here's, here's where we come to God with everything we had, and we just say, God, I'm fully committed. I'm all in. I'm, like my wife said this morning in worship, I'm not going to be one foot in the world, one foot out, Whatever I do, whether it's in full-time ministry or whether it's a secular job, whatever I do, I'm all in. God, what do you have? It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you do on the outside. God, God's looking for somebody who's fully committed. Fully committed. And I think that we hear words like that and it can be a little scary right? The, the amount of perceived work that, it, that goes into being fully committed, it, it's, it's enough to kind of, hey, what's that? Let's talk about that, right? What, what does that mean? And, and I think it's simple, but it's so hard to do. There's two really big components, right? We think of life connection with the Lord, and it's very simple. This is very practical, 
And this is the start of revival in our own person. Would you get into God's word and would you pray? It's as simple as that. Like, I don't have some rocket science thing for you. I don't have this great big revelation that is just going to shake the church to its core. Uh, it's just as simple as would you read your Bible and would you pray? And I, I've had a lot of conversations. Uh, I've had a lot of conversations with, with people throughout the last couple of weeks. And I'm realizing that not, not very many people understand how to get into their word. It seems daunting and scary. And so can I just, can I just share with you guys? Uh, there's actually some people in here who are teaching me how to, to know the word. Uh, don't check out. Use this as, as a way to help others. Can I just tell you guys what I do? Is that okay? I got one sure. I'm going to tell whoever said that. <laughs> it's simple. I, I open up God's word, and I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you just reveal to me what you're saying? Whatever I'm reading, whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, I just always go to God and I ask God, would you just reveal to me what you're saying? Would you just show me a little bit of who you are today? And I wrestle with the scripture that I'm reading, and I typically do one chapter a day. If God shows me something in the first sentence, I stay on that sentence, and I just ruminate on it. I just meditate on it, right? God, what are you, what are you doing? What are you saying? Who are you? And then if I have any questions or if I'm confused, I start digging in deeper. It's as simple as that. Knowing the word of God is as simple as that. And I think a lot of people get really um, like, I don't know. Sometimes it feels boring. If we can be honest, uh, I don't like reading the genealogies. That feels a little boring to me. I do read. Somebody said amen. I don't know if that's... Amen. Right? But... I've looked through the genealogies and I've asked God, what do you want to show? Why is this in here? What's, what's so important about this? It's in your word. And so there's got to be meaning here that I can, and I've probably spent the longest time trying to decipher, and I'm, the, the jury's still out on that for me. I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out, but, but it's there and so I go to it. And, and that's it. It's as simple as that. I know it's super like earth shattering, Right? How many of you guys just felt the wind of the Holy Spirit just knock on you right now? I don't think anybody. <laughs> but it's so good. God revealed to me a long time ago when I was first in ministry, when I was first saved, uh, which are like <laughs> not mutually exclusive. It was, it was within minutes that I decided I was going to do ministry. But he revealed to me that if you would be disciplined and diligent, fully committed in doing the things that, that are behind the scenes, the things that nobody wants to do, digging into your word. It will make the moments like what we experienced this, this morning just come even more alive. And I think so often there are people who come to church expecting to be filled up. They come to church ex expecting that without having any relationship with the Lord throughout the week, that Sunday morning is going to be their time. And, and that's not terrible, <laughs> But there's so much more. That was a good woo. I'll take that. There's so much more, church. And if you would dig in with God, if you would seek God throughout the week, and I'm not just talking every now and then, I'm talking about daily. And if you would humble yourself and pray, you would begin to see God move in your life. 
Your heart would come alive. Transformation would be possible. And honestly, it leads us to the next thing then, which is community revival. Because if everybody in this church was operating and flowing in relationship with the Holy Spirit, with the word of God, we would be so much more open and completely aware of what God was doing in our community. And he'd be asking us to do things and then we would do it. And we would look like the church in Acts chapter two, right? Right after Peter prays or preaches this message to him, it says that 3,000 people were added to the church that day. And then it goes on to say this. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with gladness sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Doesn't that sound amazing? Like, doesn't that sound like something you want this church to be? Right? Does that not sound like something we could get behind? I would love to enjoy the favor of all the people and God and see God add numbers to our church daily, add numbers to his bride daily. I don't know if you knew this, but that's actually possible. It's actually possible to see God move in such a way that people come alive to him. It starts with our hearts being fully committed to God. And then it shifts into our hearts being fully committed to each other. That we would break bread daily. My hope is that somebody in this room is your best friend. My hope is that you engage with people in this place in a way that you experience God together. Honestly, I pray that for you guys daily. I pray that you would be doing things that God's asking you to do. Honestly, I'm praying that I would be doing things God's asking me to do. Sometimes, if I'm being honest, I feel God telling me to do something, and I'm like, not nah, today. <laughs> Honestly, I'm going to commit to you guys that um, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to be that guy. I want to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I want to see a revival break out in Jefferson, Wisconsin. I want to see a revival break out in Johnson Creek, Wisconsin, in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin, in Helenville, Wisconsin, in Milton, Wisconsin. Come on. I want to see God move in such a way that we cannot deny the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if you know this or not. It's going to happen through us. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the ones that God has sent into this community and trusting us to do his will on this earth. You see, as, as people who are going to see community revival, there's four things. Four things that we are. And honestly, I get asked this question a lot. And since I've been uh, the Jefferson campus pastor, I've had this question asked to me more times than any other time in my life. What's your vision for the church? And it's a great question. 
I love that question. Don't stop asking that question, church. Can I get an amen on that? Don't stop. The Bible says where there is lack of vision, the people perish. We have a vision for this church. And it flows through these things. Who we are. Based on this scripture, are we humble? Authentic? Right? Are we real with each other? Are we humble before the Lord and and before each other? Are we loving? We just did a whole sermon series on that. And are we faithful? That's who, that's who we are. That is part of our vision for the church, that, that, that we would come before the Lord and we would be humble, real with each other, loving with each other and with the world, and faithful. And here's what we do as a result. We carry the Christianity of Jesus. What does that mean? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John really, really describe pretty well what Jesus did on this earth. Amen. The teachings of Paul and Peter show the character of who God was. Jesus was a man just like us. He relied on the power of the Holy Spirit just like we do. He spent times fasting and praying he spent time meeting the, pe- the needs of people even when it was inconvenient. Or the story of when Jesus fed 5,000 people, that was on the back of the news that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded and he needed some time to go and pray. He needed some time to get with the Lord and these people showed up with needs. It says that he turned and he had compassion. That's the kind of faith that Jesus walked with. And that's the kind of faith that, that we need to have, the kind of fervor for the Lord, that even if it feels inconvenient, that we're going to pour out, like Paul says, like a, like a drink offering, a sacrifice. And that's not something, by the way, that you just manufacture. All of this stuff comes and goes back to the first point. When you get to spend time with God, it's going to be out of the overflow of your heart. And so this isn't a condemning thing. This isn't a heavy thing. This is actually a good news thing that we get to carry the same type of faith that Jesus carried. This is an amazing blessing and opportunity that we get to be co-heirs with Christ. This is what we do. We pray heaven to earth. And I think this is really important because I think a lot of times, even, even really strong Christians get the notion in their head that heaven is a someday thing. <laughs> but that's what separates our faith from the world's faith. It's like we're, this isn't a do a bunch of stuff so you can go to heaven someday. This is a get to know God so that heaven can come and invade our hearts, invade our lives, invade our earth. We talk about thin space. We, we, we talk about this idea that, that God wants the full weight of heaven to kind of Come alive where we're at and meet us. Would you be the type of believer that prays heaven to earth? Right? Like like Jesus said in Matthew, Father, your name is holy. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The third thing we do is we're a force for good in our world. What does that mean? It means that we're involved with some sort of ministry in our church or involved in the community that we're inviting, 
right? We're inviting people to our church, and we're inviting people to faith in Jesus. We're showing them. We're preaching the gospel. We're evangelizing. And it means that we're invested, invested into the kingdom that God is growing. The last thing we do, and I think this is super important, and it's, it's a big spark for revival, is that we're, we're a part of kingdom community. We do life together. Like I said before, I would hope that your best friends are the people sitting in this room. And if your best friends are people that are not in this room, you should have them be the people in this room. <laughs> Amen? Come on, let's do life together. This is how we're going to start revival. And lastly, all of these things are going to lead to a global revival. Right? If we would get fully committed to the Lord, we would see God move in our community, more people coming alive. I honestly, I'm telling you guys right now, I would, not be, I would not be in ministry if I did not believe that God can bring people into the fold daily. I would not be here if I did not believe that God can bring a revival. And as a result, then we can send people out into the global mission field to do God's work from this body. This has been the heart of God from the beginning. Jesus came to them and said in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, the other thing, all the way back from the parable of the hidden treasure, the guy didn't sell everything he owned to buy the treasure. He sold everything he owned to buy the field. The treasure was, was in there. God cares about the whole thing. He cares about us deeply. He's looking for those who are committed. He cares about our church. He cares about you and me. He cares about what happens in the context of our community. But he cares about the world. The Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And you know what? We get to be a part of that celebration, church. God is doing amazing things around the world. We support a small faction of that. I believe that God wants to do more. And he wants to do more through us, amen? Somebody look at your neighbor and say, God wants to do more through you. I love it. He wants to do so much more. God is so good, you guys. I'm just gonna end with this scripture. He says, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Church is too small a thing that the move of God that's going to happen in this church stay within these walls. It's too small a thing for for a breakthrough to happen in our own lives. 
It's too small a thing just for our church to grow in numbers, to see people come to Jesus daily. And those are amazing things, but God wants to use you to reach the ends of the earth, right? Because that's the promise for you, for your children, and for those far away. Would you guys stand with me and pray? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. You are a God of revival. You are a God of of making old things new, dead things alive. You are the God who has done so many great things that we could not even begin to count the things that you have done. But you're not done yet, God. And we believe that. God, we, we ask for an outpour of your spirit to enter in f- more fully into relationship with you, to see what it is that you have for us. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.